For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. This is the word of our Lord. I was standing in line in a store the other day, and there was a person in front of me who had purchased, was buying a number of different toys for his children. I mean, and we, we started talking, and uh, we finished the conversation. He said to me, you know what, Christmas is all about the kids. Thankfully, it's only one day a year, he said. And, and since it was not the time or the place to say what I wanted to say and, and get into a theological argument right there in, in Target, in the checkout line, I didn't say what I wanted to say, but what I wanted to say was, I disagree with you on both points. Christmas is not just for the kids, and Christmas is not something that we consider just one time of year. But I think he was on to something. You see, I think, sadly, that is the perception of people in America, that Christmas is just for the kids, and that Christmas is just something we need to consider one day a year. And so today, what I'd like to do for you on, this, on Christmas Day is to just review this holiday. What is this holiday all about? Why do we celebrate it now Most importantly, I want to show you what the Apostle Paul says about this holiday, about Christmas, and how this celebration was never meant to be a celebration that we consider just one day a year, but something that we keep on our hearts and minds all throughout the year. And in order to do that, I want to remind you of a classic Christmas movie. Um, It's a book, it's a number of different movies and even plays, it's called A Christmas Carol, some of you maybe have, have seen that, have heard of it, A Christmas Carol. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a story about Ebenezer Scrooge, who is visited by three ghosts, right? The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future, right? And each one of these ghosts comes to him, and what he gets to see is an unbiased perspective on who he really is things he has done in the past, who, what people think of him now in the present, and really and the scariest part of what he's going to be looking at in the future. The Apostle Paul does something similar to us today as he gives us a glimpse at Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. And he starts with Christmas past. This is what he says in Titus chapter 2. I read this already. Let me just read the first verse of what I read. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Christmas past. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now notice what it says right there. It talks about the grace of God. The grace of God has appeared to all men. How is that possible? Grace is an inanimate object. It's kind of like love. You can't see love. You can see actions of love, but you can't see love. Same thing goes for kindness. You, You can't see kindness. You can see actions of kindness, but you can't see kindness. And so here we have grace appearing. How is that possible? How are we able to see grace appear? In the past, grace has always been just actions of God's grace, God's undeserved love toward mankind. That's what grace is. Maybe a promise as well, many promises. But until Christmas Day came, grace was only an inanimate object. But on the day of Christmas, grace was wrapped in flesh and blood in the child Jesus. 
That's what grace was. The grace of God, Jesus, appeared to all men. Now think for just a moment what that day meant for those people, and still means for us, Christmas. After hundreds of prophecies, very specific prophecies in the Bible about the Savior who was going to come, after thousands of years of waiting, and after hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of believers waiting for this child to be born, this Messiah, this Savior to come, finally he was born. And this child Jesus, he was proof of God's grace, God's love for mankind. He was proof that God keeps his promises. And so for the very first time, the angelic choir came down to earth and, and graced us with a song, an incredible song. They sang, glory to God in the highest. And it was that child who was born that caused those shepherds to leave those sheep behind. They wanted to go worship that child who was born for them. Even them, some blue-collared workers, who was born not just for kings and the rich, but even for them. And this child caused these wise men to travel halfway across the known world following only a promise and a star so that they could simply lay eyes on this child who was born not just for the Jews, but for them too. So why was this child Jesus so special, so important? Well, a lesson calls him, Paul calls him, the grace of God, God's grace. Now understand what that that word means, grace. Grace is... The definition of grace is undeserved love. So it's a very specific type of love. It's love that's directed at something or someone that does not deserve it at all. And so when you think about the word grace, you also have to think about people who don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve a Savior. We don't deserve God's love. But despite that, he decided to love us. He decided to send his son into this world for you and me. See, Ebenezer Scrooge was visited by the ghost of Christmas past, and he got to see the mistakes and be reminded of the mistakes that he made in the past. As we are just a few days away from New Year's Eve, we also at this time of year start thinking about this past year, the mistakes we've made, the the times when we had a lack of patience, a lack of love for other people, times when our devotion to our Lord and our Savior wasn't at its best, even close We can think back this year of the times, or maybe even just this last week, of all the commandments that we have sinned against. Yeah, just thinking about this last year, we see and we're reminded of how we don't deserve God's love. And and considering God's grace, it caused us to do just like the shepherds did in that first Christmas. They ran to go meet that Savior and worship Him, right? Because they knew who He was, and so do we. He is the grace of God. See, this child who was born started doing something on the day he was born that nobody else had ever done before. He started living a perfect life. And he started living a perfect life for you in your place because you couldn't do it, because you failed. So have I. And so this child, one part of his job and his plan of salvation was to live a perfect life. He never once sinned, but then he was making his way towards that cross. When each and every one of the sins that you committed this past year and throughout your entire life was placed on him. And instead of God punishing you for what you have done, God punished him. That's grace. 
That's love. And that's not fair either, is it? That's why this child is called the grace of God. Because of what this child did for us, he redeemed us and he made us something that we were not. Children of God. That's the story of Christmas past. But Ebenezer Scrooge was visited by a second ghost, the ghost of Christmas present, right? And the ghost of Christmas present, he got to see in present day what other people thought about him. And it wasn't always a pretty picture. For us, too, when we consider Christmas, we're not just thinking about what happened in the past, but how does Christmas affect us today, present day? The Apostle Paul reminds us that Christmas is not something that can just be left in the past. This is what he says in verse 12 of our lesson where we we see Christmas present. It says, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Here is the humbling thing that the Apostle Paul says to us. He tells you and me that we don't know what's best for us. And that might be surprising to hear because we think to ourselves, boy, if anybody knows what's best for me, it's me. But that's not what God says. He really, in a, in a sense, treats us like children. I know for my children, for them, I cannot let them do whatever they want or let them eat whatever they want to. Because if they did, I know that they would watch TV all day long. They would not go to school. They would eat ice cream with an occasional slice of pizza. That's what would happen in my house. And the same way for you and me as as adults. We don't know what's best for us. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. And as an example, I want you to think about the worldly definition of freedom. And even sometimes our definition of freedom. What is it? Doing what you want to do. When you want to do it. And not being held accountable to anyone. That is freedom, right? Oddly enough, that's exactly what this Christ child came to save us from. Our own sinful desires. And so freedom in the Bible really is serving God and not what we want to do. And it makes sense when we consider who knows us best. Ourselves or the one who made us, the one who created us. Our creator, right? And so what Christmas does, when we don't just leave it in the past, but bring it into the present, Christmas teaches us. And that's what this lesson says. Again, Paul says in verse 12, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. See, Christmas past is a reminder of the fact that this child Jesus saved us and redeemed us, made us a child of God. But Christmas present is a reminder to live as the person that you are, that God made you a child of God. Someone uh, once told a story about a, a butterfly who could think back on his past life as a caterpillar. And this, this butterfly could remember back to the days when he was stuck in the ground, could not fly, only ate leaves, and had to watch out for predators. That was his life. But now as a butterfly, his life was completely different. The things he did, even the way he looked, was different. That's a good reminder for us, too. We are not who we used to be. Through what our Savior did, we are someone, we are something different. And that's going to reflect in the things that we do daily, isn't it? 
So he says, Christmas is there to teach us today, in the present day. He says this. He uses three phrases. To live, he teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And I want to break these three up into three different areas of your life. Upri- or it says, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. The first one, self-controlled, has reference to self, right? Our ability to say no to our own selfish desires, uh, say, fight against the temptations, our own weaknesses, our own vices. Upright has to do with, as reference to your fellow man, loving your neighbor, being kind to others, holding back those outbursts of anger and lack of patience towards other people. And the last one is living a godly life that has to do with your relationship to God. How connected are you on a weekly and a daily basis with word and sacrament, with a Christian congregation, with, uh, with devotions at home, with your family, with your wife? Each of us struggles in maybe one of those areas more than the others. Right? One of you may be experts at self-discipline, right? Self-con- self-control. You are able to say no to those, to those vices that you have in your life. You're able to say no to those temptations, weaknesses. But maybe you struggle when it comes to your relationship with your spouse or with your family members. Some of you do great when it comes to being connected to God's word and his sacrament, of, of being in a regular habit of home devotions and, and, uh, uh, and going to church and going to worship. But you struggle with those Sinful vices, that your, your own self, you struggle with outbursts of anger maybe, your fellow man. So you see, Christmas cannot be a one day or two day a year celebration because we don't struggle with our weaknesses one or two days out of the year. We struggle with them all year long. long. But there's a word of hope that's found here in this lesson. And I already mentioned it a couple of times. The word teach. It says again, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. It teaches us. What does that word mean, teach? It means that we can be taught. It means that we can learn. It means that we actually get better at saying no to self. We actually get better. We can improve at being kind to our spouse, to our family members, to our friends. We can get better at growing in our relationship with God. We can get better at acting like who we are and who God made us to be. A butterfly, when it becomes a butterfly, doesn't have to take classes on how to be a butterfly. They just know how to do that naturally. But we aren't butterflies. By nature, we are sinful people. That's who we are naturally. And so when it comes to who God made us as children of God, that takes work. It takes a lesson that is taught through Christmas. That is the power of Christmas present. But there's one more ghost that visited Ebenezer Scrooge, right? The ghost of Christmas future. And in any movie I've ever seen, in any play I've ever seen on A Christmas Carol, the ghost of Christmas future was always the scariest. And it makes sense because Ebenezer Ebenezer Scrooge's future was a scary one because of who he was. And to be honest with you, if it was not for Christmas, our future would be scary too. But because of what happened in Christmas past, because of our Savior, 
our future is completely different. And the Apostle Paul talks about it in verse 13. He says about Christmas future, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the fact that this child was born for us, it says we have hope. But realize what kind of hope he's talking about here. This isn't the kind of hope that you have after a job interview where you get a job interview and you say, I hope I get the job. There's a lot of uncertainty there, right? But the kind of hope that we have here is very different. The kind of hope that we have is more like for my children when the grandparents are coming and they say, I hope they get here soon. It's not a question about whether or not they're going to come. They're going to come. The question is simply how soon. And that's the sure and certain hope that we have because of Christmas. We have a reward that is waiting for us in heaven. And that message of Christmas future is one that we need to keep on our hearts and minds, not just one or two days out of the year, but all through the year and for a very good reason. I mentioned before our struggle of of Christmas present and how we have these weaknesses in our lives. We have those weaknesses in our lives daily, and some days you're going to battle against them. Some days you're going to win. Some days you're going to lose. Either way, you're a forgiven child of God. You know that, but after every battle, whether you win or lose, you get tired. You do. You can become discouraged. And that's why we need the message of Christmas future on our hearts and minds always. As our Savior dangles in front of us the reward that he won for us many years ago, that reward of heaven, that inheritance that is ours because of Christmas. And so on this Christmas, I pray that you do not just think that Christmas is for the kids, it's for all of us. And Christmas is not just something that we want to consider one or two days out of the year, but all through the year. Celebrate Christmas past, where we get to remember what this child did for us as he grew, as he lived a perfect life for us, as he went to that cross for us and made us children of God. Celebrate Christmas present, which reminds us of who we are, children of God, and that we can act like. Celebrate Christmas future, which our Savior, he dangles in front of us the reward that he won for us in heaven. Merry Christmas to all of you. Amen.